Welcome to Ag Credit Set It, the podcast for farm newbies and seasoned professionals alike. In each episode, our hosts sit down with experts from across the agriculture industry to bring you insights, advice, and must-have information on all things rural living, from farming to finances and everything in between. So let's get to it. Welcome back to Ag Credit Set It. Phil and Brenna are here in our Norwalk office today with another great episode for you. Today we are chatting with Eric Brown, a financial advisor with Legacy Capital Advisors, LLC, about succession planning for your farm and your operation. For over 16 years, Eric has been providing farmers and small business owners with practical, common-sense strategies to grow, preserve, transition, and pass along their financial estates. He owns and operates his own family farm with his brother and his father, so he is sensitive to the financial planning and transition obstacles that face America's farm families. Welcome, Eric. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you sincerely so much for inviting me to be here. Um, it's cool to be at Ag Credit, first of all, so thank you for having me. And when I came in, I saw Ag Credit supporting farmers since 1916. That's legit. I mean, that's being a trusted partner, and that is definitely being, um, you guys are no no doubt best of breed in the lending community for farmers. Um, I'm a client myself, a member myself, whatever you guys call them here. Members. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Everybody's a member. And what about that patronage refund, though? You know? That did not suck at all. That was (laughs) good. I appreciate that. You guys are awesome. So, Thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing me to be here today. Appreciate it. So, Eric, go ahead and start just with general information about yourself. Tell us what you do. Now, do you want height and weight, or do you want me to go ahead and just get into (laughs) the real? I feel like that's appropriate. Yeah, Yeah. let's do that. I I I do have my Spanx on today, so it's going to be a great episode. (laughs) We are shaped nicely for for the viewing. You are looking good. I do have a face for radio or podcast with uh, audio only. (laughs) <laughs> um, no, your description up front is pretty good. I don't really like talking about myself much, but I do all the time anyways. Um, def- been in the financial advisory business now for pushing 20 years. It wasn't my first choice. You know, as a kid, I worked for Albright Turkey Farms on State Route 61, just south of Norwalk. And Mr. Albright, if nobody knew, was a commodity speculator. So I'm a young kid. My dad didn't think that I worked hard enough on our farm that I had to work for every other farmer in the county as well. Isn't that how it always goes? Yeah, so he dropped me off at the end of the driveway and said, go see Mr. Albright. I'm sure he's got something that you can do. Um, so went in and saw him, and, you know, this is, let's get a date right. This is about 1981-82. Open his office door. There's computer monitors everywhere. 1981-1982, computer monitor, monitors everywhere. Well, here he's got direct connection to all the markets and all that stuff. And I'm just, as a kid, my eyes are pop bottles, you know, just blowing out of my head. And I just asked what it is. And he says, what do you want to know? And I said, sure. He says, well, let's go get you, you know, clicked into the uh, time clock and we'll start looking at it. So that started about the next seven years of my life. Every day when I went to work there, he would have me punch in and we would sit down and he would start my tutorial on trading commodities. But anyways, went there, and I actually knew about as much or more than the professors did that were teaching the commodity marketing classes. Um, and in a sense, has honestly and truly been a benefit to my family farm. Um, and then it was a natural progression then. I got out of that business to uh, go back to the farm and farm full-time. 
And then when I realized that, hey, I want to have a family, I want to support my family, and our farm's not big enough to do that, I need to find something else. So we went, and I, a friend came to me and says, well, you trade stocks and stuff on your own. Why don't you do it for other people? And hence, I got into the business. And then, of course, I have an affinity to farmers being one. Um, and again, as you guys know, and you guys are in the business that, you know, we're still at a solid majority of all farms do not have any type of a transition, succession, um, any type of a plan to get the assets from A to B. What's the average age of farmer doing right now? They're not getting any younger, right? You know, we go have meetings and we have our clients come into our offices. There's a lot more gray hair than colored hair when it comes in the door. That's just the way it works. Or Clairol. Or Clairol. I don't know who, what farmer you're talking to, but <laughs> I have my niece that does that for oh, me. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, so the point is, is there's a, there was a huge need. And the nice thing is, too, is, you know, originally being affiliated with Nationwide exclusively, they had what's called the Land is Your Legacy program. And Land is Your Legacy is an initiative. Again, most of the board of board members of Nationwide are still active farmers. And they started Land is Your Legacy as a service to their ag base, you know, nationwide, the largest insurer in the farm of farms in the country. So they have a vested interest to making sure these farms stay in the family and they stay productive because they want to have clients. Um, so everything just kind of fell together. I can't say it was, you know, anything smart that I did on my part. It's just like the path kind of went down a funnel and kept narrowing me down to where I, the path I needed to walk. Um, I also am married to Tracy Brown, my wife. Uh, she owns an accounting firm in Norwalk, Brown Crane Associates. We've owned that since our first child was born. Uh, we started at Brown Crane Associates at a kitchen table uh, with an old DOS computer and one client. Um, Yourselves? Yep. <laughs> well, basically, yeah. <laughs> Problem is, they were deadbeats, couldn't pay. You know, so they, <laughs> that didn't work out so well. Um, and now it's a thriving, you know, sizable uh, accounting firm here in Norwalk, Ohio. Also participate in the real estate market, commercial, you know, farmland, residential. So we believe in the 80-hour work week. It's how you get anything that you want in life. Um, there is nothing that's free. So we started this path to, uh, to help farmers get to where they want because they are the hardest working people that I truly know. Most of them have sacrificed blood, sweat, and real tears to get everything that they have. It wasn't by accident that they're where they are today managing big, big businesses. Yep. 10 years ago, you could see or you could manage a farm like it was a mom-pa operation. Today, these are big multi-million dollar businesses that need to be, have, have a sophistication, have experience you know, from a marketing, merchandising, you know, risk protection. They have to wear so many hats. So if you know, Ag Credit and, and, and Eric and Nationwide can partner to help them down the road a little bit, that's got to be our goal, and it seems like it makes all sorts of sense. So it's pretty obvious that we're going to go down this path on this podcast of succession planning. So, I mean, we deal with it on our side, people that pass away, and we have to, you know, who's going to take this over, who's going to make payments, all that kind of stuff. So we kind of feel yeah, the guess, pain. Yeah. So. so I guess the big thing, you know, we're, we're our podcast is for kind of younger borrowers, younger farmers. You know, you've thrown, obviously, we titled it Young, you know, uh, Farm Succession Planning. What is farm succession planning? Like, I guess, nuts and bolts, you know, what is it? And, and, and why are we talking about it? Yeah. Well, you know, the fun part is, is uh, to take a step back briefly before I answer your question with a real long-winded answer that sounds really poetic. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to hear it, though. <laughs> yeah. Is, you know, now in life, as I'm getting some gray hair myself, as I, you know, I've been the kid 
in the transition process where my parents were the, you know, were the primary owners and I was the one working, hoping to take it over someday. And now I'm also in the position where I have a son that's coming back to the farm full time. So now the shoe has obviously went to the other foot now. So to understand the emotions, the, the feeling inside of your chest that parents feel when they're in this process and what the kids feel when they're in this process. I think it's truly going to end up being a benefit long-term having been kind of wearing all the shoes so far. But succession planning, um, to me, that's just a fancy term for saying, how do we get the assets, the farm, the operational business from mom and dad to child? Or, you know, we're in an environment now where there's a lot of children that aren't farming. We have myself, a lot of clients where there's no, I mean, beautiful, successful farms. Mom and dad have created, you know, just an, an amazing operation. And son's a doc, you know, a doctor, daughter is a nurse, or, you know, it, it, there's just nobody to take it over. So we're also seeing a trend that succession can also be not just to the next generation as a child, but to the next generation as a neighbor kid, a neighbor farm. So there's still a lot of tax consequences. There's a lot of legal liability issues. There's contracts and all this stuff to make this happen. And what we find during this succession planning, in air quotes, uh, situation is that there's just so much complexity. It, it just kind of makes people freeze and not take action, not implement. Because, you know, again, you know, the ag space, the ag community, you know, pretty much a tight knit group. They're, they're salt of the earth very solid fundamentally, but when something doesn't feel right, sound right, or I don't understand it, there's gonna, they're going to push pause every, every time, every time. time. Yeah. So I guess the whole thing about succession planning isn't just talking about it. It's not listening to a podcast about it. It's not going to a meeting about it, reading an article about it. It's freaking doing something. It's taking action, pen to paper, moving assets, putting a plan together, and implementing. Talking about it doesn't do anything anymore. And let's take a look around. Has anybody watched the news last night, tonight? Yep. <laughs> we're, living <laughs> yes, in, did. we're living in a crazy world, right? Things are insane right now. So do you think there's going to be a bigger consequence to not planning, to not having the I's dotted, the T's crossed, and taking action today than there was just yesterday? So it's, there's never been a time in my career, in my life, that the stakes are, have ever been higher. So, I mean, I have to look at myself in the mirror, and you guys need to look at yourselves in the mirror, in that we have to figure out how to get farmers, the ag community, out of their own way so they can make a good business decision for them and their families. Mm -hmm. That's our job. That should be a billboard. <laughs> the quote, the quote I, 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 I was rattling around in my head when you were saying that, it's, it's the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Um, and you don't really want to have the pain of regret when something happens and you don't have a good good uh, system set up or a good succession stuff uh, set up for your farm. So, yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, obviously, right there, you've kind of suggested a little bit what are the biggest struggles and challenges that you see with succession planning, I'm assuming it's people getting in their own way kind mm -hmm. of thing. Well, you know, a lot of times we, everybody thinks it's about the money because we have these, again, multi-million dollar operations that may have just been a million dollar operation a few years ago. So it's all about the money. 
I have found now being involved in a ton and ton and ton and ton and ton of these plans that it's always, the pinch point is always people. It's never the money. It's always the people. And I'll give you an example. So we have the situation we just talked about. Maybe one child farms and the other three don't. Mom and dad love all the kids equally. But guess what? For that farm to have any chance of longevity and carrying on mom and dad's legacy, things can't always be equal. Again, air quotes. So we try to term it, the way that we look at it, is it has to be equitable. Equitable, not equal. And that means that everybody's got a little different uh, value proposition that they're bringing to the table with the, you know, with the continuing legacy of the farm. So if the number one goal of mom and dad is to make sure the farm that they blood, sweat, and tear created is ongoing, moving forward, if that's goal number one, we have to determine what is equitable. Being equal will screw everything up. So that's one people issue. Well, the one thing I always think of is that when people say equal, they also think fair. Yes. And in this type of situation, I don't think equal is fair or vice versa. Like it's, you got to draw the line somewhere as to who gets what or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, and as he's talking, I'm sitting here screaming like, oh my gosh, dad, listen to this, listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all could uh, know of somebody that probably should be listening. Now, again, that's, you know, when we talk about people, we also can talk about mom and dad, grandpa and grandma, you know, whoever, whoever that generation above is. And we have to, as the next generation or the younger generation, has to put themselves in mom and dad's shoes. And you have to understand what keeps them up at night, what makes them worry, what, are the, what is their fear after they're gone. You know, well, I give it all to Johnny, and he goes, he, day after we draw our last breath, he sells it all, and he got all the money, and the other kids didn't. I've heard that a thousand times. Or, you know, we're going to go to our grave with three of our kids hating us for the rest of eternity. My question always is, was well, it better if they hate you for eternity or they don't show up at Christmas and Thanksgiving because they hate their brother or their sister? Um, but more people issues that, I mean, it's ridiculous. I was involved with $11 million total operation in southeastern Ohio. We sat down and we were, you know, everybody's talking it out. The two brothers that farm are there. Dad and mom are there. I'm there. And we're going down through assets and stuff like that. Everything's all hunky-dory, all perfect. So we get down through, I'm going to call it $10 million, $999,900. Everybody agreed on. Like, seriously, like an hour. Grandpa's lever action, old Henry, octagon barrel 3030 comes up. And I was in between two brothers that wanted to kill each other over that gun. So millions of dollars, no problem. That one thing, the thing that nobody would have thought about, mom and dad always think, well, I know what the boys are going to fight about or what they, nope, this one thing. So after about 10 minutes of this and we set everybody back down again, I'm like, get on my phone, I find another one and I buy it. 
<laughs> and then I tell mom and dad, you're going to write me a check for. <laughs> <laughs> now they each have an octagon barrel. Old Henry, same age, same model. We'll mix them up in the back room so they don't know which one was grandpa's and we'll hand them each one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, and that's, how, that's how we dealt with it. That's um, called problem solving right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and then the last one is, you know, there's a lot of families, and this is what's important to me of this. I've seen too many families that have been tore apart by a lack of planning and a lack of decision-making by the, the higher generation. Um, and a lot of families mistakenly think that, hey, you know, all the kids come over at Christmas, all the kids come over, everybody, their kids play with their kids, their kids watch the other one's kids, it's all good. But throw some money in between with no determination of how it should go. And see how it ends Thanksgiving up. tastes a little different when oh, for sure. money's involved or borrowed or mm-hmm. shared or split or whatever. Yeah. Yep. So again, that was a long answer to your short question. But um, the, one of the big obstacles is the people. The second one is, again, we kind of mentioned it earlier, is the fear of the complicated. You know, nobody wants to get themselves in a situation. Hey, it costs, you know, you got to spend a little bit of money to get this done right. Somebody that has a ton of properties and we're going to put them into a limited liability company or we're going to title them to our trust, you start doing title work on 25 properties, you're going to have a little bit of a bill there. And so they don't want to spend all this money and then find out that it was the wrong way. And every family that you sit down with has a the trust didn't work story. My neighbor did this story. You know, everybody's heard of an instance where somebody made, went ahead and moved forward and it was the wrong decision. So you're fighting, you know, more of an ambivalence type of a situation than you are of, you know, they're just like, if I do nothing, I can't be wrong. And then you have to paint out the consequences of, you know, what that looks like if they don't. Okay, so what are some of those consequences if nothing's done? Well, I mean, first of all, obviously, if you know, a lot of the real estate that we have is owned in one farmer's name, the husband's, or it's held in joint tenants with rights of survivorship. Well, what happens when both parties die? This is a quiz. Anybody know the answer? Goes through probate. And again, back when we had $100,000 of real estate and it would cost us, you know, 700 bucks or seven, you know, 1,000 bucks or whatever to get through probate, no big deal. We're talking about farms that have three, four, five million, and look at seven, six, seven, eight percent, um, you know, probate type expenses. That becomes a big number. All of a sudden, you know, your clients are coming to see you, and they're saying, "You know, I need like four hundred dollars to get my free farm." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right. You know, can I yeah. have four hundred grand? Yeah. I need yeah. to get my. So a little bit of title work, a little bit of planning, saves a whole bunch of money. You know, when it comes to probate. Um, we've even seen it where, you know, clients have set up an LLC, set, you know, have a trust. And then because they didn't want to spend the money at the time, didn't have the titles changed to their real estate. So what does the law, the government, the IRS and all that say in that situation? You may have wanted it to be in your LLC. You may have desired it to be in your trust. It ain't in there. So guess what? You didn't went through all the, the pay-in-the-butt process. You've paid the money, but yet you didn't fully execute, and you're still going to have the same penalty. So, I mean, there's just the devil is in the details here. And that's the part that, again, is an obstacle to implementation by most farms that don't have a plan in place. 
Ryan Ricker here, President and CEO of Ag Credit. I'm happy to announce through our patronage refund program, we are returning $31 million to our member borrowers in 2022. This means that eligible borrowers are receiving back 40% of their interest that accrued in 2021. This is just one of the many benefits of being a member borrower of a cooperative like Ag Credit. To learn more, visit agcredit.net. It pays to be a member. You kind of touched on it from from the get-go, I guess. Um, you talked about the people side of stuff. I guess people that I talk to, that, that is, that's probably almost the number one nervousness that they have is, is making a sibling upset or making their parents upset or, you know, uh, I guess, do you have any, I guess, pro tips for, for somebody, maybe it's a parent or maybe it's a child that hey, wants to maybe broach this subject and it's, they've never talked about it and, and they're just like, boy, I really should bring this up, but I, I don't know how to do it and I don't know how to do it well and I don't want this to backfire, and then we don't talk about it for another 10 years. You know, um, I guess, do you have, do you have any good tips on that? Well, number one, we all kind of know uh, communication is king. Um, you know, it's not saying that uh, we need to put all of our business out there for our children. They don't necessarily need to know everything about us. But at the same time, having an open dialogue about what you're looking at, things you're thinking about, problems you're having and coming to a resolution – Having communication, because if your kids are using their imagination trying to think what you're thinking, do you think it's going to be better situation or worse? Going to be worse. So no matter what, smart to talk it out, 100%. Um, And here's the thing. This is going to be a little cold shower for everybody. But you can't plan, create a legal document, talk, and make somebody a good human. Let's get it straight. Some of our kids are not good humans, right? <laughs> so right? True. I'm sorry. It's the truth. Yep. So no matter what, you can't document your way out of somebody being a jerk, somebody being greedy, somebody being selfish, somebody not seeing the big picture. So there's sometimes we have to accept. We cannot let it f- keep us from acting mm-hmm. because the, you know, it's too punitive to, to not act. We have to. You know, so we just sometimes have to accept there may not be a quote-unquote peaceful resolution here, but the cost to not making mom and dad not making this decision, not making it black and white, is again there's a huge penalty for a long period of time. So communicate. You got to accept that sometimes your kid's a jerk. Boy, this is going to be a high. <laughs> the viewer, <laughs> the listenership here is going to be really excited about yeah. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the third thing is, is honestly and truly, mom and dad also have to realize they can't read their kid's mind. You know, there's a lot of times mom and dad say, well, I know Susie's not interested. Do you? Yeah. You know, or sometimes I know, I know Jake's going to be here. Jake, I mean, he's all over it. We have one family I just met with yesterday. This is no lie down in southwestern Ohio. And Jake, names changed to protect the innocent. Um, is the one that's helping all the time. Assumed Jake is going to be the successor. Mom and dad asked Jake when he wanted to start this process. He said, oh, I'm not, I don't want to own it. So for two or three years, they have been planning without communicating, without asking the simplest of question, this is how it's going to go. <laughs> it's not going that way. So how do you recommend sitting down? I mean, like... I know that you and we've talked many, many times about this and 
You've, in fact, sat down with my parents. Mm -hmm. And it was my goal to have them sit with you individually, kind of you get their idea as to what they wanted to do, Mm -hmm. which there's not a ton to get rid of or anything, but it's just... Five, it's not the Ponderosa? Five, no, no, not at all. But five strong-willed, hard-headed yep. kids that all have some form of a stake in, of some way, shape, or form within what they have. Yep. So sitting down with them, talking with them, going through it, learning it with them, then how do you go to like the next step? Like, okay, bring the kids in and, and, the, and then their spouses or however the step would be. I mean, what do you recommend as far as that type of process to even start the communication? First of all, you have to be willing to mm-hmm. sit down and do it in the first place. So that's probably hard step number one. It's yes. kind of. It's pretty simple, actually. You just pull up a chair and you sit down and you start talking to people. You know, I'm not being simplistic, but honestly and truly, we make it into this big thing. It is that simple, but it's not easy. Correct. Make sense? So um, definitely have those conversations. That's kind of one of the things, too, that I think Nationwide's Land is Your Legacy program does when it inserts an, an uninterested advisor. You know, they're Switzerland. You know, it's not their assets. They don't care. They just want it to be what the wishes are of the people that own the assets because they're the ones whose stuff it is. Um, that you can inject that uh, Switzerland into the conversation. I've been in a ton, a ton of family meetings where I can be a moderator. And a lot of times, mom and dad don't necessarily, they know what they want to say. They know how they feel, but they can't, they just don't have the words for it. You know, that communication, that articulation. My dad to sit down and tell you how he's gonna, how he feels. <laughs> First of all, that ain't never happening. And <laughs> second of all, I don't know what, I can't even to this, you know, it's no fault. That's just that generation. You know, so to be an interpreter and to be able to, you know, move back and forth and keep continually to reminding of the common ground that exists. You know, I'm going to throw out, and again, we're going to use Brenna as an example, but we're not, we're going to change the names to protect the innocent. And these numbers do not, do not reflect your farm. Is that I'm guessing that your family members, if we sat down and we honestly talked, probably about 80% of the stuff we would agree on. Probably. You know, what's important what mom and dad would want, and all this stuff would come back to where there's roughly 80% agreeable stuff. And there's 20% stuff we have to work through. But during that process, the more we can go back and address the 80% of the stuff that we're on, the, we're on the same team here. We get it. And now we have to figure out how to walk, the, walk that tightrope in between everybody's wants and needs and desires to finish out the last 20. When we just focus on the 20, it seems humongous, you know, the Grand Canyon split between so, family members. Do you start there then? Do you start with that 20%? The one thing that, honestly, if I have the family into my office, we have a big, huge whiteboard, obviously, just like everybody else does. You do it. You have it here. And we just write down some things. You know, everybody says, okay, so what's, what's an area of contention? Somebody will say it, and I'll put it up in the corner. And they'll say something else, put it up in the corner. How many people have said the whole thing? <laughs> Honestly, that, uh, to be perfectly honest, that's very rare. And that kind of goes back to the good human, the good human piece. There's families where there's kids that come that are just, evil's the wrong word, but they're just never going to, no matter what you did, they're never, you have everything. Oh, come on. When you get, you should have gave it to me yesterday, not today. You know, there's, yeah. they're never going to be happy. 
Um, but a good technique is to take all the stuff that there is that's disagreed and put it up on one side. And then usually if we talk about the things, if it's moderated, all the things we agree on. And we just give oh, these are things up here, we're going to come back to them. Let's start talking about what, what we're on the same page for. What does mom and dad want? What do you How many think times does that lead to them going over to that other side and it actually turns out that they agree? Oh, for sure. You know, almost you almost start... greases the skids for, exactly for, for the contentious things. Yes, yeah, right. exactly yeah. does. It minimizes, makes it look small where the disagreements are, and it makes it look big where the common ground is. And if everybody can agree on what the end goal should be, mom and dad's wishes should be carried out. It's their stuff. That's the foundation to everything. You didn't earn the money to pay the pay for the ground. I don't care that you helped out bale some hay and stuff once in a while. I'm just saying, mom, this is mom and dad's stuff. Wasn't that the cost of the food? Like yeah. that they fed you throughout your entire life yeah, is right. get out there and do the chores. Yeah, we put the pool in so after you bail, you can cool off. That's, that was the payoff. Yes, that is exactly true. What do you ha- What advice do you have for the younger generation in approaching the conversation? You know, what's funny is, is a lot of times, and especially here in the last, I would say, 18 to 24 months, the initial call to me has been from the younger generation. I keep trying to have mom and dad talk about this. I keep trying to do this, um, to, to do that, get them to talk. They won't talk. They won't say. And again, we have kind of the same conversation is you have to understand where they're coming from. I'm not defending them. I'm just telling you, you're in a negotiation now. You're trying to persuade. So you have to understand exactly where mom and dad is coming from. You want to know where to start? Want a secret? This is, this is a million-dollar idea here for a young kid wanting to figure out how to talk about this. Start with your mom. Start with mom. Mom is the one that understands the pulse and the heartbeat of the entire family. Everybody talks to mom. She is Switzerland. She, she, she understands automatically what everybody's thinking. So talking to mom first, figuring out and telling mom the importance of all the things we just talked about, probate, liability issues, legal stuff, not showing kids not getting along, fighting after you're gone. Start talking about those things. We need to do something. And again, it may not necessarily benefit me in the end. I may be a loser in the end. But I think everybody deserves to know and be part of the solution. I want to help make it happen. But I've tried talking to dad about it, and you know how dad is. He's not chatting about it. So start with mom. That's number one. Um, and then I just keep bringing it. I just keep bringing it up. And the way I look at it is keep showing the loss. You know, dad, right now all the properties are owned and you're in mom's name. You know what happens if something happens to you guys? Have you seen your driving? You know, I mean, <laughs> 35 miles an hour and left to center, somebody's going to hit you because they're driving 80 and trying to do it right. Um, no, if something happens to you, here's how much it's going to cost. We have 1,000 acres. You know, we're going to talk, we're, you know, we're talking maybe six, seven hundred thousand dollars it's going to cost. Where's that money coming from, Dad? Where's that money coming from? Where's our liquid assets they're going to pay for the six, seven hundred thousand? It doesn't what piece exist. of it, 
land you like the least. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that right. you want to sell yeah. to can cover I tell, all can this. Can I tell a funny story? Yeah, go yes, ahead. Yes, please. This is an early before I was way more professional than I'm not now. Um, <laughs> think about that one for a minute. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> is I honestly was having trouble in a situation getting a farmer to act. And he was a little gruff and a little aggressive. So I finally had him. I said, I'm going to go meet with him one more time. This is the last time, and I'm going nuclear. So I went, and I got and uh, went to the FSA office, printed off a couple of his maps, and took him to the house. And then I set a a pair of scissors on top of him and slid him across the table. I said, could you just take a minute before we get started and cut out the farm that you're going to have XYZ Farm Farm from now on? And I already knew the farmer that was competitor that they didn't like. (laughs) And because if we don't do something, that's the farm we're going to sell. Kids are going to sell to make sure they get the farm. Is that what you want? XYZ farm going back and forth while you're in the dirt on the other side of the grass. Talk about a reality check. Yeah. I'm assuming it worked. It worked. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I should go print off our family maps. (laughs) (laughs) And again, I'm not saying that's appropriate, and I'm not saying you should go nuclear in these situations. Usually diplomacy is the smarter route, but at sometimes every single person, all of us, we know when, when we're, you guys are in a sales business now too. You know, you guys now have to go out and get clients, correct? So when we do that, we're in a sales position. So we want to put ourselves in the best chance to get the people out of their way to make a good business decision. And everybody buys differently. Everybody's got different hot buttons. Well, This guy, he needed nuclear. And again, one of my best clients ever since. We talk great. He, you know, he'll, he'll text a joke, you know, or text text a picture that he got the tractor stuck, you know, or or he ran corn over the edge of the semi. You know, he's just a different guy now. We had to figure out that combination to open his safe. Well, when something's at risk and they don't want to see it gone, mm-hmm. whether they're on the top side of the dirt or the bottom side of the dirt, <laughs> exactly. they don't. They still don't want to see it gone. So because the the coffin is never big enough to, for, to put it all in, right? To take yeah, it with. Right, yeah. Oh, well, there's that country song. You can't take it with. What's it? I, I don't even know I what it's called. What it but is, you can't, yeah. it's along the lines that you can't take it with you, so you might as well enjoy it while you're here, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So it makes sense. So. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, any any other things maybe we haven't talked about or that, that you see are common things in your line of work that you should feel like you should share with people. Well, I think number one, it comes down to you. You have to act first of all, and secondly, the only thing that's going to get somebody to act is they have to work with somebody they trust. You know, whether it's an attorney, their accountant helps initiate stuff, their loan officer at Ag Credit, whether it's Eric, whoever it is, they have to have somebody to help be their trusted advisor, be the quarterback of their situation, you know, what all they need to do, their process to get them to move forward. If you don't trust somebody, I tell people all the time, if I'm not your guy, find somebody that is because it's so important you get this done. We have to do it. So number one, you have to get somebody you trust. And again, if we got time in here in a few minutes, we'll go through a few things that I think farmers can do to, to put some money to their bottom line this year when everything sucks. Is that cool? Yeah, that's yeah. great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so we'll, we'll get back to, to um, some advice that way. And, and number two is, um, you know, we have to all look around and be appreciative of what we've been blessed with. You know, most of us um, have been blessed with an amazing family. Now, we might want to kill them once in a while, 
and they might upset us once in a while, but we've all been blessed. So in the end, before we start any of this process, we have to come to come into that process with uh, centered around gratitude and appreciation of what we have, the people we have. Because I don't know if anybody else witnesses, you know, how things are out in the real world. There's not a lot of good people to replace the family with to help you run your farm, to help you live your life, to take care of you when you can't take care of yourself anymore. You know, those are all things that, you know, it's just so important that if you come into it with the right mindset and you're focusing on the right things, this process gets a lot easier. Then it's just about details at that point. We've taken the, a lot of the negative emotion and stuff out of it. And I've been to a lot of family farms, too, where just having a vent session, a session where all the dirty crap from the last 20 years can just be spewed because it's been so long. Heck, I've had times where we've sat down and I'm like, you guys not talking? No. Well, why is that? The one, the, the, well, it was a brother and a sister. And the sister says, you know, I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we get all into our habits and, and the, the world, everything's so fast now, so chaotic. Everything's so disjointed. There's no peace. So we all just need to, to, again, gratefulness brings peace. Do you have a boxing ring somewhere? Because, <laughs> like, I could see some. Everybody's got a backyard. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, Everybody's that's got a true. <laughs> it's all happened before, so. <laughs> um, so those things are important. And then I think the last thing that I'll say when it comes to other things to consider about, uh, consider, I think if there's some obstacles to where um, we got the people right. We've got a plan that makes sense. And now we have to figure out how to monetize it, how to fund it, how to make it cash flow. Some big contributing factors to, to making things difficult is long-term care insurance for the older generation. Um, that's a big one. I mean, honestly and truly, the long-term care piece of this is a bigger detriment to the farm long-term than death is, you know, because that's an ongoing expense, that keeps hitting you, hitting you, hitting you. And depending on the uh, economic structure of the farm, how much money there is, how much other assets besides farm assets there are, you the farm may have to start carrying that. All while the next generation is trying to feed his family or her family and kids and put them through college and all that off the same operation. So when you've had somebody that's had the advice of, it's, it's not worth it at this point to even obtain that long-term care insurance policy. Mm-hmm. What do you say? Well, I mean, that's it. it I'm going to phrase that as it all depends. You know, there may be somebody who's health issues um, and they're already 70, you know, that may preclude them from being able to find something economical that they can cash flow that doesn't ruin their monthly bills, their monthly cash flow. But the other time, in, in the other, on the other hand, is the cost is so much now. I think we're up to about 67000 in the state of Ohio. Now is the average for you know uh, full time care, um, and that's not even acute care. That's just full time care. Um, that's a chunk. I just had a friend, and they just got the I guess you can call it the quote for what it's going to be for when a parent moves in, and it's ten thousand dollars a month. Yeah, yep. And if there's a need for acute care, you're up over a hundred for sure. Like you're saying, hundred percent. Um, so at that point, if you can still be insured, I'm not seeing a lot of sixty seven thousand dollar policy. You know. Uh, premium notices for long-term care insurance. And we'll stick a little uh, caveat in here. There's tons of ways or lots of ways or more than one way to go out and get long-term care taken care of. 
And that's something that this is probably not the time and the place on this podcast to talk about that. But if you have a question, reach out to me for sure after this. I'm sure we'll have contact information in the in the notes and stuff like that. So make sure you reach out and let us know. But it is the number one thing, honestly and truly, that's not prepared for. And the second thing is farmers in general, they put all their money back into the farm. So, and you know, we made a big profit this year, a nice profit. And guess what? We're buying new paint, which I know you guys like. So I'm not, I don't want to rain on your business here, but it, it happens. We have to get better at teaching our producers, our, you know, our farmers to make sure every year they're pulling out money and saving for their own retirement on top of putting the money back into the farm. There has to be, doesn't have to be a, a gazillion dollars out there in a retirement account, but having something out there to help subsidize so they can charge maybe a little less than market-based land rents, you know, to their children who take the farm over so they can have their health, welfare, and well-being taken care of. Um, any money that we have in life insurance, long-term care coverage, and retirement plans help make the plan for the farm, it greases the skids, as you said, makes it work. Um, so that is definitely, definitely something we have to work on. Nice. Yeah. And you wanted to chat a little bit more about. Oh, you want to make some money? Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's chat today? about yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Now I feel like I almost. We can these days. Well, you know, that's the thing we just, you know, we mentioned earlier, it's a crazy world out there. So there's little things we don't want to tempt fate. Right. So I think rule number one, first of all, I do not sell insurance at all. So, you know, if you need car insurance or tractor insurance or farm liability or farm auto, I'm not your guy. I don't sell it. But I am going to say this. Every person listening to this podcast needs to go to their filing cabinet, pull out the policy that they have on their insurance, farm liability, farm auto. Let's look at them first. Now, they're going to have to open the envelope because they never opened it when they got it and pull it out. And most policies have a base of $1 million of liability coverage. And that's it. How many farms do you have for clients that have only a $1 million of assets? So who's protecting, who is protecting the assets above the $1 million? Self-insured, baby. Right? So take a look at that. You know, that base policy is the most expensive insurance you're going to buy. You can go out and get an umbrella uh, policy that goes over top of, of that farm auto and that farm liability, and you can get two, three, four. How much is economically required to get you to the point where you are insured and you're not self-insured? Because the thing that the last two years have shown us is that that lightning strike event, that once-in-a-lifetime can happen, and it's happening happening a lot more frequently than it used to. Murphy's Law, isn't yeah. that what that, that is? dude lives yeah. at my house? If I ever <laughs> find him, if I ever find that guy, I'm gonna okay. I gotta stop. This is a you know G-rated <laughs> podcast. Um, so that's number one. That is a money maker. Now again, there's farms in the state of Ohio in the last thirty days that had a significant fire, and because how much insurance do farmers like to pay for? All of it, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> so it's for sure. They underinsured. So now it's time. We got to replace all the stuff that we had. Okay, if we have replacement on our barn, for example, and we only had it insured at 70%, now building costs are up 50, 75. How big is the gap between what our barn was worth 
and what it's going to cost to replace it after our fire. How about tools? Your How, 60 by 100 just became a 30 by 50 real quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. It, it, it's a Florida beach house now. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. It's a Florida beach house now. You know, that, that's what we could buy with the money that, that it would cost to replace it. So it's so important to have to sit down, review your liability insurance, your farm coverages every single year. Uh, carriers are notorious for you take something off that you sold, you tell them they never do it, so you're still paying insurance on it. Or you send something in and say, hey, we're, we, we bought this, and somehow Merexia is not on your policy. All That is all a risk to you in the event that something bad happens, that lightning strike event happens. And we talked about those are happening now. So in a year of chaos, a year of no margin, and yeah, I did say no margin in growing crops and such in the area, we cannot afford a loss. We are in that time frame where we cannot accept additional risk that we can control. That's in our control. And then the second thing is the highest chance we have of being sued is with our personal auto, is driving. Statistically speaking, the biggest chance for us to be sued in our personal auto. Pull out your, your auto policy. Open the envelope again. Pull it out. And you're going to find you have somewhere between $50,000 and $100,000 of liability. Hold on. I think I have it in my purse. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so $50,000 and $100,000. If you kill somebody with your car, is $50,000 and $100,000 going to get it done? Now, your home is one of the least likely places to be sued for liability. Still, base policy, $100,000, $200,000. So get a personal umbrella policy. Pennies on the dollar that make sure that all the assets that are at risk for that um, are covered and you're not self-insuring. These are million-dollar tips, million-dollar tips, and they're just sitting there waiting for you not to act on them. They're waiting. And the minute that you don't, you're going to get punished for it, period. By not doing it, you're betting that you're, you, it won't happen while the insurance company is betting that it will happen. Yep. So. And in that case, where, where you're self-insuring 70% of your assets, insurance company in the lawsuit is going to write their check and go away. And now you're left to carry the rest. You know, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're buying Joe Schmo attorney from downtown who, you know, got somebody off in a DUI, got some child support for one, and now he's fighting these big companies that are suing him. Yeah. That's not going to end well for anybody. So there is real money ideas that if they're acted on, will save people thousands. In our farming business now, it's tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds so of thousands. So there's not enough insurance <clears throat> Mainly. out there. Yep. And, and I would say that, oh, no, people are learning. No. Almost every time when we do a land is your legacy case and we're collecting the data to help put a case together, and we look at everything, the financial viability of the farm, the liability risk, where the holes are. Because, again, what good does it do to set stuff up if they're just going to screw it up and lose it anyways because it's not handled properly? So we go through all that. Um, and 9 out of 10, that is, the, that is what we see. That's a great tip. Yep. So great tip. since you're talking about insurance and succession planning, life insurance, okay. how, do you, how do you determine what coverage works in order? Because I think some people think like, well, I'll just cover it and it'll pay for the farm. Well, it's got to also sustain itself for a little bit too until the next generation could potentially 
fully handle the financial responsibility or whatever. Yep. So what do you typically recommend for life insurance policies? So what you're saying, you're going to have me back for a second podcast. Well, <laughs> we could. We that's, do that's, have, that's hopefully we'll have season myself, two. Right? <laughs> Honestly and truly, there's enough <laughs> no. variability there in, in what a recommendation should be. That's going to be highly individualized on the, on this, the case. And a lot of it goes back to not only, you know, what product to use, term insurance, permanent insurance, whatever. It's also about insurability. You know, as we, when's the best time to buy life insurance? Yesterday. Yep. Yesterday. When you're young. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yesterday. Yep. Say that again, Phil. Yeah. When you're young. Yeah. <laughs> what is that again? Buy life insurance. <laughs> when you're young. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then we kind of do the same kind of math with it just to answer. So you do, I do give you an answer to your question. It's kind of the same math. What's the hole that needs to be filled here? You know, all of a sudden, if we have that situation where there's four kids, one farming, and we want to be equitable, well, equitable doesn't mean $10 million to Johnny and then $10,000 each to the other three siblings. Mom and dad probably won't sleep at night, and that'll probably keep them from acting. But maybe if there was a million dollars worth of life insurance there, $333,000 per other kid, that's better than a punch in the face, right? Mm. You know, I think mm -hmm. most people would be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. So, again, it all depends on the need. It all depends on the need, and it's highly individualized. And here's the mind blow now. There's also life insurance policies that let you use the death benefit when you're not dead for long-term care. Oh, podcast number two. That could be go. a third. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, that's a teaser. And again, if anybody wants to get into details or they have an immediate need and that's something that's really keeping them from sleeping at night, reach out. I'm glad to talk about that. Again, there's never any pressure from me. We don't slam sell anybody. It's all about what's doing best for you and making sure that you can make a good decision without fear of repercussion or buyer's remorse um, and take care of things. You know, get out of your own way, make a good business decision. So another question then. So the next generation life insurance, okay? Mm -hmm. You haven't inherited the farm yet or anything like that, but you want to plan for the potential of if that does occur and I want to keep it within my family. Mm -hmm. Obviously, get insurance when you're, you're young. You're young. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole again, that's looking at it from a different perspective. Now, you can we can really blow this up. There's a lot of times mom and dad, if they've got the one, the one child that's, you know, they're in, up in years, they couldn't do it if Johnny wasn't there. They can buy what's called key man insurance on Johnny. Because if something happens to Johnny, who the heck's helping them finish out the farm? They're not physically able or mentally able to do it. So there's an insurance on the next generation by mom and dad. That's something that's done all the time. Now, the younger generation also has a lot of other things, probably a young spouse, probably some kids. You know, there's a need for them for life insurance just for their personal life. But at the same time, they may be accepting loans coming to Ag Credit to, since 1916, serving farmers to get their loan to start buying stuff from mom or to operate to plant their crops. Something happens to them. Do you want surviving spouse to have to pay that off? You know, so it's not just a debt thing. There's also a future future income earning component too. You know, if if 35 year old spouse passes, well, there's a lot of years of you know support that that person was earning for the household that's not there anymore. But you can also have too much life insurance. If you can't pay your other freaking bills because you got life and too much life insurance, you have too much. So it's always individualized. It's finding out the exact financial situation of each client. 
it's truly assessing what their need is and what their you know where their pinch points are, what they're nervous about, and then trying to place them with the right product, the right time frame, the right amount, um, so that all those scary things go away. Eric, thank you so much for for joining us for this episode, and thank you guys for for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back for another great episode of Ag Credit Set It, and we'll see you next time. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to Ag Credit Set It. Want to talk ag in between episodes? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AgCredit. For more tips and resources, visit agcredit.net. And be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Catch you next time. Yeah.